Welcome to CCC Talks, empowering IT and business professionals in their digital transformation journey. Find all the latest tips, tricks, and strategies at our blog and resource center at cloudcredential.org. And now our host, CCC Managing Director, Mark O'Loughlin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of CCC Talks with Mark O'Loughlin and the Cloud Credential Council. Today, we're joined by Tara Byers, who is lead product owner at US retailer Target. Tara is also a member of the Target Women in Science and Technology Steering Committee, TWIST, which is an initiative creating STEM exploration opportunities for high school to college students. Tara, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Mark. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Great. Now, Tara, tell us a little bit about what you do. So um, my day job at Target is um, as a lead product owner in building inventory management technology. Um, so as a product owner, I'm responsible for creating the vision, setting the strategy, and then measuring um, outcomes or deliverable results. Um, and we're doing all of this with Target's inventory management technology, building all of that in-house. Um, and what this technology is, is the system that plans what inventory needs to be in what stores, um, in what quantity, at what time. Um, yeah. So it's it's a, a big technology, a big system. Um, what I do uh, not in my day job or as volunteer work is probably a bulk or a majority of what I spend my time on. Um, and these are things like mentoring. Um, I'm mentoring tons of people, probably 30 plus people currently, um, you know, all ages from sixth grade on up through adulthood and working. Uh, sorry about the background noise. You can probably hear my dogs shuttling around. Um, but yeah, so I'm doing a lot of different mentorship, mentoring people in product, mentoring people in technology and different things across the board. Um, and what I'm really excited to talk about today is all of the different things that I'm doing with target women in science and technology, like you mentioned. Um, so this is different creating opportunities for people to learn about technology, get involved in technology, um, and kind of feed their passion and curiosity. Um, so just creating opportunities at Target for that. Um, and then I'm also, I've gotten in the last year, since you saw me in Amsterdam, I've gotten really involved in uh, Minnesota Technology Association, MinTech for short. Um, and this association is um, amplifying the Minnesota technology ecosystem um, through lots of different events, networking and touch points. And they're really bringing all of the technology companies and technology or businesses of Minnesota together um, to really build an inclusive and diverse uh, tech workforce for Minnesota in the future. Um, so really, really exciting stuff happening there as well. Wow, Minnesota has a fantastic asset in, in you. I mean, where'd you find time for all of this? We laugh at later on, maybe. Listen, we were very excited to talk to you. We've been waiting to get you on because of, you know, you spend a lot of time in career development and specifically inclusivity in tech. And as you said, it's a passion of yours. And I want you to tell us a little bit more about about that, you know, you getting drawn into inclusivity in tech and why you're passionate about this. Yeah, it's an awesome question. Thank you, Mark. Um, yeah, I mean, I pretty much, and I, I think the best way to describe it is I'm just gonna walk through a scenario and then we can talk about that a little bit more. So um, yeah. I, I think there's a ton of reasons why I care about it, why I'm passionate, but 
um, if you think about, and, and this young woman, this young girl was me. So think about a young girl who is in high school. Her school doesn't have any computer science courses, no real even STEM education curriculum. Um, so she goes on. She hears also at the same time in the media all of these things about hooded white men eating pizza late at night, coding, programming, um, you know, the, the different stereotypes that our society has put out there. Um, and I think a lot of those are starting to change. But um, at the lowest level, that's still happening and that's still what young girls are seeing. Now, for some reason, this young girl gets to college and she decides that, yes, I still am going to check out this computer science major and I'm going to go for it. By this point in time, there's already such a few number of women that are already going into computer science in college. Um, it's like the, yeah. it's like a funnel and it's starting to get narrower and narrower. And so this young girl goes into college and she's one of three women in a hundred students in a computer science program, let's just say. Um, and so what happens is when you're one of only a few, you don't see others that look like you, you start to feel the pressure and the drain of, you know, this imposter syndrome where I think everyone else knows what's going on. Um, and so women are leaving. They're, they're starting to yes. trickle off. Yep. And, um, and I, I, I felt that when I was going through it. And so getting into the workforce, I know that that's one of the big challenges is not seeing others that look like you along the way and you eventually just lose your steam. Um, and so I want to I want to help. I want to help other women, people that are in minorities. I want to create spaces that make them feel like they should be there. That's as you said, it is so true that you don't see the person you can relate to uh, in that group and therefore you tend to leave the group then, which is what we're seeing with women as well. As you said, as you go, you might get into college, but you're looking around and only a small percentage are who you can relate to or who you relate to. And then you go, oh, this isn't for me. So I think the challenge is, it's not even, can you get a role in, a, in an organization? It's, can you actually get to that point where you've learned the skills to go chase a role in tech? And I think, you, as you're right, it funnels itself at the college section, and then even more so at the school sector as well. You're in a school without certain technologies. I think maybe that goes back on governance to, governments to ensure that we have uh, proper technologies. But if you don't have that in school, you're hardly going to get, uh, you know, um, inclusivity happening as you go into college. I said, yeah, yeah. it's more male-dominated um, programming, and people get drawn into that. As you said, that stereotype as well but I think we do need to be a bit more inclusive there to get that um, well-rounded view you know but the challenges are are difficult there and um, you delivered a DevOps Day presentation in Amsterdam which was uh, fantastic but and I was drawn by a question that you asked you know where are all the girls going and um, you gave some great facts girls get interested in STEM by the age of 11 so we do a great job I think in getting them interested even last week with my own daughter in that age group we were doing some STEM coding you know, it's simple stuff, but it was good. But it's the next thing that, you know, they lose interest by 15. Now, I'm going to explore that in a couple of years with my daughter. But And then only 18% of computer science bachelor degrees are earned by women. These are, I don't know, stark figures that you presented. Um, and is it as simple as what you just said, or are there other factors that are leading to that? 
Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I think there's a lot of different factors that are leading to that. Um, I think, you know, a lot of it is stereotypes and, and those holding girls back. But another thing and, and the most general thing is I think it's a pipeline problem. Um, so in Minnesota, just this year in 2020, some statistics came out and apparently Minnesota is the last of all 50 states in the United States in percent of schools teaching computer science in the classroom. Um, so Minnesota has 19% of all you know, schools teaching some sort of computer science or related, um, which is not enough. So I think it's a problem of exposure where, you know, students just, if they're not hearing about it in school, they're not seeing it in their community. Um, and this is, that's specific to people in rural areas. They don't have target corporation in their backyard, whereas the students in big metropolitan areas have, you know, the companies and the tech companies coming in and offering these types of opportunities. Um, but exposure, I think, is a big gap. And then it's like the exposure, the opportunities and the mentorship um, that just gets students thinking about STEM, technology, computer science, just seeing that might be enough, even if they don't fully have like STEM education in their schools. So I think um, widespread, there's just not enough exposure to students at a young age for them to know that, you know, what to even study to get into these careers. Um, so there's just a lot, a lot of things around exposure that we could be doing, should be doing. Um, so yeah. <laughs> Typical, yeah. Um, but I said Minnesota has a great asset with yourself there to try and get at least get you out of that bottom end of the statistics there, but a, a lot of work. Um, as it's an interesting area because I think there's a massive shift in the way we work today. Like we're in the knowledge economy, um, this part of the world, and it's changed from the types of roles you would have done 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Um, especially, as you said, in Minnesota, being a bit more remote from those big tech behemoths. But I think maybe what COVID may have shown the sector is it's not um, specific on location, that uh, we can work in these roles in tech remotely, and we can probably work a bit better in tech because we're used to it. We know how it works. When it doesn't work, we know how to fix it. We know what to do, you know? that uh, it's not it's not as much a barrier i think as it was in the past but that's probably a big learning from covid and i don't know do you think in the years to come now that that will accelerate a bit more inclusion in in it that you know it's not just you have to be in these tech bubbles or hubs to get those tech jobs and to promote it that they will look at these these other areas and say hey we can get good technical students from these areas and uh, and try and gravitate them into this type of work. You think that's something that will come out of the pre-COVID era? Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, there are definitely, there's there's pros and cons of it, I think. Um, on the con side, you know, being in isolation and, you know, I think part of inclusivity or the main part of inclusivity is people having the sense of 
belonging and feeling a strong sense of belonging and that really making them feel part of the team, part of the mission and um, contributing members of a team. Now, in when you're in isolation and you're virtual and you're not able to, you know, chat after the meeting and talk to the teammate, like, how did I do when I was presenting or what did you think of this? You know, those little sideway hallway, sideway conversations that you normally get to kind of pull you in and make you feel more of a sense of belonging. With COVID, you click end on Zoom and that's that. The, the call is over. The yeah. chat is done. So you don't really know necessarily <laughs> how you're doing with other people. And I think like I know personally that's driven for me um, a lot of like insecurity or lack of confidence. Just you, you just don't know. So on the pro side, though, there is so much more that you can do and you can reach so many more people when you're in a virtual setting. Um, I know for Twist this last year, one of the events we did in 2020 was um, prepare to launch virtual series. And basically what we did were um, four two-hour sessions where we brought in yep. speakers from all across the United States, from like 37 different companies. We had over 45 speakers, um, diverse in what their jobs in tech were, diverse by gender, race, everything. And so not only were the speakers able to call in and present their content, um, but then we had over 10,000 students across all of the United States, and there was even some um, outside the United States attending. So we were able to connect, you know, professionals that are out there working to students from across around the world, really, um, to learn about what's out there in tech, what kind of skills do you need to have in the workforce, um, what are, how do you get into these types of jobs, and it was all targeted at high school and college students. Now, those are the types of opportunities that we weren't dreaming of before COVID. But then when COVID hit, we were like, how are we going to give exposure, bring opportunities to students? Um, and we were like, well, we might as well do a virtual virtual webinar. And we just we didn't quite think about how well that would be able to scale when we were planning it. And then as we did our first session, then our second and the numbers were growing and growing. Um, and it was just really exciting. So I see so many positives like that in the realm of getting people exposure to the opportunities. And then there's, you know, virtually you can learn how to code now with boot camps and and all of that. And you yes. can even apply for and get a job and you don't have to move wherever you're at. So um, I think there's yeah. far more pros than cons. And so, yeah, I, I definitely think the way that we've gotten more flexible and we, the way we're adapting to working virtually, um, I think that'll open a lot of doors for a lot of different people. Great. Yeah, I think it will. So the positives are fantastic. I think, as you said, and one of the challenges being that, you know, um, when the well, when the Zoom call finishes, the next Zoom starts, so you don't even get a break in between them. But like that, you don't get the chat. And I'm just wondering, I wrote it down here, you know, companies are always driving uh, to use latest technologies to improve productivity. Obviously, it impacts the cost base and things like that. But should we also be thinking about, it's not just productivity on its own, it's productivity plus communication, plus community, what you're saying, that we need to continue to develop that. It's not just always the bottom line, better productivity, lower costs, all this kind of stuff. So I wonder, um, maybe it's one to think about how many organizations think in those terms of trying to increase the communication, but also the community of these groups of, you know, like-minded throughout the organizations, because that is really what it is in an organization where our communities of different people that come together to achieve 
similar results. That's what an organization is, 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 is based on, I think. But somehow we, we've forgotten about that. How can we as, say, individuals and then maybe organizations, you know, ensure better inclusivity, basically either in college or in the workplace? Are there any quick things that we could do either individually where we're empowered in leadership or to organizations that, or that you've tried that, that, that work well? Yeah, well, individually, I think it's really important to take a hard look at yourself and how other people receive you and kind of the types of re relationships that you foster as a person. Um, and I know in 2020 with COVID being locked down, I did a ton of reflecting on myself and how I am to others. Um, and I, I just read yeah. a lot and tried to educate myself a lot more. Um, of course, there was a lot of things that happened in 2020, like right in Minneapolis in my backyard, um, George Floyd being murdered. And um, I'm sure I'm sure you've heard of this and and that, yes, you yes. know. Yeah. And so individually, it's like we have to look at how are we contributing to society? How are we building communities? How are we pulling people in? And I think most important of all is like, how are we creating opportunities for other people? Um, it's something I think about all of the time. Like I can, I can, and sometimes this every, I think everyone has moments of like selfishness where you get kind of like zeroed in on what you are doing, what you care most about. Um, but I always, always, always try to tell other people and tell myself to think about other people, figure out what they care about, figure out what's important to them. And um, above all else, make other people feel important. So I try mm. to live you know, rule of thumb, my life by that. Um, and it actually is something, and I recommend this book, it's been recommended to me, um, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Yes. It's not new, it's, yes. you know, it's been around, but I mean, the concepts and the principles in that book, those are the things that I try to live by. Um, and, and I think when you do that, you will be inclusive of other people. You will bring other people in and create opportunities for them. Um, so I try to live, live true to that. Now, for companies and organizations, you know, I'm not I'm not leading a company. I don't know. There are so many. I can only imagine the number of trade offs and risks with every single conversation. Um, and yes. but, you know, one of the things that I think is really positive is that I'm seeing companies. I've seen a shift in especially this last year in companies like you were saying, like trying to build communities, trying to, you know, focus on inclusivity. And I mean, the the reality of it is, is that with, with Gen Z, and I think this is, you know, there's plenty of blog posts. I was just reading one this morning before this, um, talking about how Gen Z expects workplaces to be diverse, expects them to be yeah. inclusive, and they're not gonna look at working for ones that aren't. So I think it is a business priority for companies to, you know, yeah. start start driving these initiatives. And I think they'll find that their existing employees want to help. Um, you know, and a lot of what's needed is is really mentorship, sponsorship, and those types of things. Yeah, true. Um, great book, as you mentioned. It is a really good book. As you said, it's not a new book, but a lot of common sense isn't new anyway. But that's a great, you know, um, how to win friends and influence. Some of the things you mentioned there earlier on to me just triggers, you know, Tara, this is like leadership stuff, not necessarily being leadership in the organization at the, the top level, but certainly this is leadership as opposed to management, I think. I think that's a big shift in where we are in whatever industrial revolution this is, 4.0 or whatever it is, you know. 
we've gone from the production floor, the manufacturing services, now into high tech. But I think it's it's more management needs to evolve into leadership, um, to lead people, create communities, to satisfy, as you said, the Gen Z, but also where we're going with this as well. So I think is is interesting to see. It's almost like a massive experiment or a social experiment for the next 20, 30 years. But I do think we do have to get it right. For far too long, it's 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 been incorrect, you know. Tara, you also do so. Some of these things you do a thing called Twist at Target. Um, I just something about curious awards, lean in circle, learning new technologies. Tell us a little bit about these initiatives that people might be able to focus in on and and take a little bit from maybe. Yeah, definitely. So the first one you mentioned was Twist Epic Awards. So Epic stands for engaged in or engaged, passionate, innovative, and curious. Um, and yes. really, it's it's an award ceremony that we created with Twist um, back in 2017. And um, it's the award ceremony recognizes 25 young women um, in the Twin Cities or surrounding metro. So this is an award we've created specifically for Minnesota students. Um, but anyway, so this this program every year and we didn't do it last year because we were virtual and the award ceremony is really about like celebrating and recognizing um, the achievements of these 25 young women um, and what they're doing, you know, the young women that we've awarded. So we've awarded 75 now in the past. It started in 2017. We did it in 2018 and again in 2019. And I know we'll be back as soon as we're back in person. Um, but yes. like I said, it's about celebrating the achievements and the work that young women are doing in the community. You know, there are high school girls that are the, you know, captains of their robotics team. And then they're also like creating camps for uh, elementary girls to learn learn how to code and they're volunteering and they're going to summer camps to learn how to code and they're just really doing a lot to get into computer science um, yeah. and they're trying to do a lot to bring other people with them and so by celebrating them and awarding them you know you make them feel special for what they've already done um, but it's what comes after it so with epic awards anyone all of the girls who have won epic awards in the past they get matched up to a target mentor um, and so then there are people, they have a one-to-one -one mentor relationship with someone. Um, they're able to ask for help. And, you know, the mentorship can go for as long as they, they keep it going with their target mentor. Um, and so it's just a way to help them and usher them into, you know, like, what are you thinking for going to school? And how can I help you get into that college? And, you know, it's all the things that you do to mentor someone. But it's it's a way for us to keep that keep that pipeline going. Um, and now we've had from 2017 with Epic, we've had one of the award winners actually start, she was an intern at Target last summer, and then she just started in January of this last year um, as a Target team member. So we're definitely seeing signs that people that we've awarded with this award are not only going into computer science, but they're actually coming out the other end and applying to and coming to work for Target. Um, so that's really exciting. That's um, fantastic. Um, even just that one example, have you said, girl that won the award uh, from an intern is now an employee. That's, uh, to me, that's always a better way of trying to source staff that will probably stay with the likes of a company target for a long time, that they're loyal as well to the company because the company has helped them understand and help bring them in, helped educate them, mentor them. I think we used to do this in the old the older days and somewhere we got lost along the way, you know. 
Um, so I think that's really good. The other thing it made me think about was what you're building is an element of confidence in a person to go in, not only to go into this career, but to make it a career. And sometimes I think you mentioned it earlier that a big barrier to inclusion is confidence. And you mentioned it about imposter syndrome. And we know from the studies, it is a fact that women tend to suffer imposter syndrome uh, more than men. I think you've even mentioned it before. If there's a job down there, 100% of the men interested will go for it. At best, 60% of women may, and then the numbers may fall off as they go through the process because of this imposter syndrome thing. Um, so a program like what you're doing probably helps with that. But do you see imposter syndrome as being a, a really big barrier from the work that you've done? Yeah, so for myself personally, it's always, imposter syndrome is always something that's kind of there. It's always in the back of my mind. There's always like a little voice telling me you're not good enough, but then there's like an overbearing one where I've coached myself through this and I've had I've had so many great mentors coaching me on this as well. And I've had um, even people that I've mentored that have upwardly mentored me back in, you know, yes. being bold yes. and like just ignoring. Honestly, it's just about like turning off and ignoring um, things that are saying that you're not good enough or that you're not qualified enough. Or, you know, like if I look at something that I want or I'm going after and I don't meet the qualifications, I know that statistic. So I just don't even bat an eyelash. I'm like, oh, I could have 40% of the qualifications. And I would say that I could learn the rest, you know, like I, I've, I've un, I have trained myself in that regard. But I think for others, it is still a really big barrier. And you mm. don't know, you know, a lot of people, and especially those coming up now, um, when you're younger, you don't hear about imposter syndrome, or you're not, you don't really know what all these things are. Yeah. But if you don't see people that look like you trying to pull you up and bring you into this, yeah. Um, yeah. into this technology world, then you're you're not going to feel super confident that you can do it. So I think with these programs and my advice to other companies, too, is like you have to have mentors. You want to be exposing students to people that look like them and to people that don't and showing just like a rich diversity of people that are holding these tech positions and these tech jobs. Um, I think that's the most important thing. And then mentorship is another way to really beat out the imposter syndrome and having someone, you know, that's kind of been down that path before. Just say, you know, look, like you're going to feel these feelings your entire life, but you you have to do your best to yeah. subside them, ignore them. And like as a young girl or as a woman or whatever, like you should just like I've seen this. I see this in my spouse and I see this in my dad. I see this in a lot of and it's not all men, so I'm not trying to make a huge generalization here, but um, in general, like the boy next to you is not going to skip that opportunity. So if you decide internally that you're not good enough, someone else is going to get that opportunity and not you. So you might as well yeah. just go for it. And the worst that can happen is you get told no or you you fall down or you screw up and that's you'll get back up on your feet. I mean, that's not, and so it's a lot of, it, it takes coaching. No one's gonna inherently know these things. Yeah. And yes. so just like it takes coaching in sports, it takes coaching in technology too. Um, yeah, it takes a six It is so interesting, as you said. So the coaching market has gone crazy the last couple of years, there's a coach everywhere. So I think it's important to find the right coach. Uh, what Target is doing, what you're doing, sounds like it's absolutely on the money. It's not coaching for the sake of coaching. It's inclusivity that has the element of coaching and mentorship, which I think is really good. 
you, resilience, I think, is so important as well. We in life we get knockbacks. So I always try and teach when the baby is small, the baby will fall over, uh, might hurt itself, but the baby will get back up and try and do it again, and again and again. And over time, we learn to say, you know, that no kind of is negative against us or whatever. But if you haven't tried, you'll never get a yes or a no. So I think we do need to help, you know, for inclusivity, say that thing. Try. It's never a failure if you've learned something from it. So if you didn't get the job, why not? And try and figure out next time. As you said, I've only got 40% of the skill. I can learn the other 20, 40% or whatever it is. What else are they looking for? Better communication. Well, hey, here's how I excel in that market or whatever that is, you know. But it can be hard, as you said, even when you get through the door into the role, into the job, you're looking around for your opposite your community there and you're you're still not seeing it which can be a knockback i think part yeah, of coaching as well is go ahead no go ahead oh i was going to add one thing to what you said you know i um another thing that was recommended to me and this is something on youtube but it's the eight principles of success by ray dalio and it's like this short video series um, and, you know, when you encounter these situations of you're uncomfortable or you have to, there's some some roadblock in your way. Um, the thing that Ray Dalio, his teaching is kind of like he always treats these things as like, oh, it's just another one of those. So you have like a set of heuristics or things that you do yeah. when you encounter these scenarios to help yeah. you. Get, get through them or get over them or you know and you just look at these scenarios and it happens to me every single day and I'm like okay that meeting was just another one of those and I I put it in that box and I look to like here is how I handle those situations yes. um, and that's something yes. that I teach my mentees a lot too. Fantastic we might look into that and do a blog on that I think that's a very good um, suggestion that you've put out there a very good reference point um, something I learned a long time ago and again I teach this um, whenever I can is you know, every morning you wake up, you tell yourself, I'm the best I can be today. You're not comparing yourself to anybody else or comparing yourself or anything like that. You're saying today, I can do the best that I can achieve. Some days you achieve more, some days you don't. But on a given day, you are the best. You are unique. We're all unique. And I think if you continue to tell yourself that, you get more resilience. You still get knockbacks. There's still always no somewhere. There's still always these challenges, but sometimes that helps. I've had good feedback from people that have tried that over a, a period of time. We can only ever be. Or the other thing is never judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree. I think that's important in this conversation as well. Just because of, you're a different gender, just because you're a woman, doesn't mean that you're, you know, you can't do these these things. I think you probably do them a lot better, to be honest. And we should prove that in the workplace. They get more inclusivity in and then uh, see how that stacks up. There were some recent stats from PwC that I've seen. We'll put these on our blog. You know, 78% of students cannot name a famous woman working in technology. 16% of women had a career in tech suggested to them as opposed to men. You know, 5% of leadership in technology is only women. And worse, you know, 3% of women say a career in technology is their first choice. They're stark, stark. You know, what 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 do you say to women, I guess, of any age when they see figures like this? Because that's enough just for you to just not think about it, to not not bother. Yeah, I mean, well, the thing I'd say to women of any age is don't be discouraged. Um, look at those numbers. And I all you can really take from that is like there is an opportunity, like there is something wrong happening there. 
right? Like yes. that's that's what I see when I hear numbers like that. Yeah. Um, I have a lot more to say to the 95% of men running these companies around like we need allies, we need sponsorship, we need mentors, like we need more people like amplifying this voice um, in order to change those things. So yeah, those are those metrics are rough. And I think like that's that's just why it, it takes like a collective technology industry to attack this yeah. problem. Like there are so many different angles of the problem that that need to be addressed. Yeah, yeah. I, I think a great thing you said there, the numbers are stark, but it presents opportunity. Now, it will take time and it will take a while. I think with the likes of companies like what you're doing, what Target are doing, sponsoring that at such a high level, and then making sure it does happen it is very good. And we need more of those organizations and corporations and more Taras out there, I think, to drive inclusivity. I think it would be a better rounded world um, to see that. You know, Tara, in society, in the tech sector, we do need to turn this around. You've just mentioned that. But will we get there? Are we likely to get there anytime soon? Yeah, oh, as optimistic gosh. as we can be. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, like I said before, Gen Z is coming. Um, and I, you know, I don't think we're going to get there in, you know, I think it'll take years to get there. Um, but I think Gen Z is going to demand a more diverse and a more inclusive workforce. I think Gen Z is going to be pushing leaders uh, to create that world. I know one of my mentees, Katie, she she is the best um, and she would be a far better interview uh, candidate than me even. Um, she's doing so much in the community, but you know, she is what I think of is the epitome of what Gen Z is gonna bring into the workforce. Like yeah. she is just pushing and pushing and pushing and asking great questions and trying to really truly live and build a diverse, an inclusive ecosystem and she's just kicked off her career um, but I mean she's pushing at VPs and SVPs at the company asking just bluntly like oh why aren't we doing this can we do this can we create this opportunity can you share yeah. this with your network you know like she has zero fears in asking these questions and and she thinks that it would be outright wrong if the company didn't respond um, and so I think it's I think it's that type of behavior. I think it's that type of leadership that's coming down the pipe. And I think that um, I think that things will change now in the immediate. It, it just takes time. It takes time for every company to address that change needs to happen. Um, yes. I know in the United States, I've been seeing a ton of that from organizations, especially in the last year. Um, in just recognizing like our our diversity numbers look terrible and there's you know companies are starting to publish them whereas in years past they had never put them out on the yes. internet and if you start I've to google like yeah. yeah so yeah and i i think over in europe as well there's an element of you have to start publishing those numbers now now that doesn't quite solve the problem but it does expose it a bit more um which which i think is you know is is, is interesting um, indeed you know um so will we get there hopefully great opportunity for us uh, for us to get there um i i think and see where things go so tara any final words on how women in tech can succeed with their goals and ambitions any final words of hope and encouragement 
Yeah. I mean, just don't, don't buy into the, this isn't for me, or there's not enough people that look like me. Um, go yeah. into it thinking about that as a bigger opportunity for yourself yeah. to really, really transform technology with that mindset. You can bring, that's a rare and unique or rare, rare and valuable skill that you can bring yeah. into technology. Um, so think about it as something that you can bring and not a negative. The other thing is you need to subscribe to, yeah, to that same belief of you have rare and valuable skills to offer. Yeah. You have rare, you have something rare that other people, you are unique and other people are not you. Um, and that's what's needed in the tech workforce. So subscribe to that mindset and not the other that says it's not for you. Fantastic. So, and I think you're right in saying that you know, we put so many people in a room that can code, they'll probably all code. But then what's your uniqueness in that room? And maybe you'll see it to get a bit more inclusivity is maybe there's better communication or they're stronger, you know, other facets that you bring to that and be able to A, identify with them and then B, highlight them during that process to make you stand out which I think would be would be interesting. And I hope there's more written about this and more done about this and we see more change um, about this in, in the future. I, I think the world would be better for it. I think the workplace would certainly be better for it. Uh, I think we need to change those numbers or to start, you know, but as you said, we leave it with, there is huge opportunity there over the coming years to, to change. Fantastic. Tara Byers, thank you so much for joining us today on CCC Talks. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining this episode of CCC Talks. We hope you enjoyed this episode and walk away with a ton of actionable insights. If this is your first time joining us, this is us extending a personal invitation to you to join other IT and business professionals. So please subscribe on iTunes, YouTube, or Google Play. If you are struggling in any capacity in your digital transformation journey, contact us. We'd be more than happy to guide you and find you the right certification courses to help you manage the challenges modern businesses are facing. This was CCC Talks. Until next time.